Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish podcast for independent minds. Hi, everybody. Happy President's Day. We have something special. This is either going to be boom or bust. No, it's definitely going to be boom. Why would it be bust? Why would you? Why do you? <laughs> we've start never done this like before. That? We've never done this before. You know, we played bits and pieces of these, but not all together. Okay, we have nine presidential cuts. Nine presidential cuts. Oh, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be able to pull them right. out. And and we're doing them in the order of the presidents. So, for example, number one is Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter was once a guest of mine. I'm sorry, TC, to embarrass you. This is so rare for you. I don't think it ever happened again. But you kind of forgot that you booked for me an American president. I, I did. Um, we not were only, in our conference room. Not only have I not forgotten that I booked <laughs> any guest, uh, but but that is the one guest that I forgot I booked. And yes, it happened to be a former president. We were in a conference room, post show meeting. We were doing mornings, and like yes. somebody said, Jimmy Carter's no, on no, the phone. No, you know who came down the hall? No, Jimmy. Jimmy Remember? Carter? No, no. Jimmy, who was the board op, blind <laughs> I'm DJ. I'm loving this already. Blind DJ right. came down and right. said, uh, He's legally TC? blind. Yes. Right. Yeah, he's, like, Wonderful he's incredible. Guy. Yeah. He goes back to the School of the Blind and talks about how he has made his his career as a, a radio board op. He's incredible. Comes down the hall and said, uh, "There's Amber is on the phone for you with President Carter. You thought Carter. I was a stripper. Now I remember. I, okay. I was... And all of a sudden, I just like the blood drained. So we ran down the hall and en route, all I could remember was that I had seen something recently where he, President Carter, and Alan Dershowitz were having a spat over Israel. Because that was the topic of his new book. That's why Jimmy Carter was booked. And I brought that up and it didn't go so well. It did not go well, but you had to do it. Here, take a listen. Mr. President. Good morning. Welcome to Philadelphia. It's good to be talking to you and all the folks around Philadelphia. Thank you, sir. Uh, Mr. President, I'd be derelict in my duty if I didn't ask you about today's headline, which is the uh, revelation that the the Iraq study group, the so-called Baker Commission, appears to be advocating a pullback. I notice they don't want to use the W word, withdrawal, but a a graduated pullback from Iraq. And I wondered if President Carter had a a gut reaction to that news. Yes, I've been talking to to, uh, Jim Baker on the phone uh, the last number of days, and and I think that's a very good proposal. I, I would prefer as rapid a withdrawal as possible, but I think the the inclination that I will have, even not knowing the details of what the recommendation might be, is to go along with it because I trust him and Lee Hamilton and that group to have made the best assessment of it. 
the uh, the part that gets all the headlines is you know what do we do about the troops and when but it seems like and I, i'm only relying on the initial news accounts in the times and so forth but it seems like uh, and this ties into palestine peace not apartheid your new book it seems like diplomacy is is what they're focusing more attention upon and saying that we need to open those lines of communication with syria and with iran well, I certainly agree with that, and not only those two countries, but also to bring in Jordan and Egypt and Saudi Arabia and even reach out and bring in France and Russia, you know, and others to let the Iraqi people know that the whole world wants to see their country rebuilt. Uh, the problem in the Mideast is that for the last six years, we've not had a single day of negotiation between Israel and the Palestinians. And this has been uh, a radical departure from what we've done in the past, as you know, under Bill Clinton, under under uh, George Bush Sr., all the way back to when I was in, in the White House. And uh, I think that uh, the fact that we don't seem to be concerned about the terrible plight of the Palestinians send a really negative uh, signal all the way through the entire Arab world and, and many other parts of the world as well that we don't care about them. And they are being horribly persecuted in their own land. So that's why I wrote the book. Uh, it refers to Palestine, by the way, on on, um, and not to Israel as far as apartheid is concerned. It's, Israel is obviously a good democracy. And within Israel's own land, uh, there's freedom of speech and equality of treatment. But in the Palestinian area, there's terrible example of apartheid. And persecution. I, I read a, a critique, Mr. President, uh, of the new book, Palestine, Peace, Not Apartheid, by Alan Dershowitz, who said, you know... Oh, I, no. He said, well, let me just lay it out. He said, I, I like Jimmy Carter very much. I've known him since uh, he ran for president in 76, but he's got a bias against Israel, which one can see in the, the simple title of the book, which implies that Israel is an apartheid state analogous to South Africa. Well, he obviously didn't even read the title. Do you see Israel in the title? No, sir. No, it's about Palestine. It's not about Israel. It's about the land that Israel is occupying that belongs to the Palestinians. And that's the only place that the apartheid applies. So to the extent that there's apartheid, it's what? The West Bank, it's it's Gaza, it's... You tell me. Well, it's, it's the land that belongs to the Palestinians, East Jerusalem, the West Bank, and Gaza. And uh, this is a land that's been completely taken over by Israel. It's uh, occupied, it's been uh, confiscated, and it's been settled, colonized. And then when they do it, they got 205 or so um, settlements inside Palestinian territory from which the Palestinians are now excluded. And then th those uh, settlements are connected by highways, one to another and into Jerusalem, and the Palestinians are prevented from using those highways, in many cases, or even crossing the highways. So the, the entire Palestinian land has been divided up something like a, a honeycomb or something like a cobweb, and the Palestinians are deprived from their basic human rights in their own country. So this is what I mean, and they are completely separated, by the way. Uh, Palestinians have to have passes, just like they used to in South Africa. Uh, they can't go to their own schools without crossing the border, and the Israelis are building a, a horrendous wall that will completely imprison the Palestinians who live in the little bit of the West Bank that they'll have left to themselves. The concern that I have, Mr. President, and I know I've got time only for one more question, is I have this mental image in my mind of, of Yasser Arafat's uh, military uniform, which had a, a map as he intended it should be of the Middle East, and there was no Israel. And, and the concern that I have in handing back the West Bank and Gaza and the other territory is that that's not enough to appease these folks. 
Well, when when uh, the 1967 borders were established, which is recognized by the United States and by Israel and everybody else, Israel consisted of 77 percent of the so-called Holy Land. The, the West Bank only consists of 22 percent. So that tiny bit of land that was left to the Palestinians is what the Israelis have now taken over. That's a, that's a, a fact. And, and a lot of people in our country don't even know it and don't even debate it, where it's just hotly debated in Israel. So my book is designed, you know, to be provocative, to, to provoke debate and discussion about an issue that's very, very rarely discussed or understood by Americans. I understand. I just meant to, to, to say I don't think that's enough to placate them. I think they want it all, and they don't want any Israel. But I know I'm also out of time with President Jimmy Carter. Yeah, and you're mistaken, I think. But thanks a lot. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Thank you, sir. All right. Goodbye. So there you go. That is that is that is my interview with uh, my as brief as it was, but with uh, former President James Earl Carter. So that's one of nine presidential uh, interviews that I've had the privilege of. No, I, I, TC, if I count Obama, I did like nine with Obama. I'd be closer no, to no, 20. No, not nine, nine interviews. We're just playing nine clips, different things. Oh, okay. Yeah. Keep me on the straight yeah. and narrow. Who's next? All right. Well, so I never interviewed Ronald Reagan. I had the privilege of, of meeting Ronald Reagan out on the campaign trail, but never interviewed Ronald. I wasn't on radio on Ronald. It would have been for like a high school radio program or college radio program if I were. But, but I'm very proud of the association that I had with his successor, his vice president, Papa Bush, Bush 41. Now, this was 2004, and TC, you were with me for this. How about that? 2004, we were in, now we would say Delco, like before that TV show. Mayor of We would have said Delaware County. Now we just say, like, everybody knows Delco. Right. So this was, my recollection is this was a high school in Delco. He was there appearing in support of his son running for re-election against John Kerry, on stage was also Congressman Kurt Weldon, and I had the privilege of introducing former President Bush. Around that same time, he was a guest on the radio program. They just put on the screen, President Bush is on the line, and I said, which one? And uh, this is so great. And TC types up, 41. <laughs> what a privilege to welcome to Philadelphia George Herbert Walker Bush. Mr. President, good morning, sir. Michael, it's nice to talk to you again. Yes, this is the old guy, number 41. <laughs> hey, how do you, like, sort it out in the house? You know, how do you, like, separate the socks if everybody gets together? Is it 41 or 43? Well, it's usually, in my house, it's 41. Clearly, over there at Crawford in his house or at the White House, it's 43, carries the day. Hey, it's such a privilege to have you, and, and sir, I was uh, I was honored to, to be with your son last night. You'd be so proud. 23,000 folks from Bucks County. It's a critical background. Oh, oh, your voice T right T now. TC, can I just say this? This now brings it home. So this is me speaking. This is 04. Was it the cornfield? Yeah. So this is me, and it's 04, and I'm all in for W's re-election. I'm soon to get off the reservation, but I'm all in at this juncture. The night before... I had emceed a rally for President Bush in a cornfield with 23,000 people. And he would ultimately lose Pennsylvania. Uh, and that's what I'm telling his father. Right now is reaching the area that could determine the outcome of this election. Michael, you know what pleased me about yesterday? Uh, I don't usually attack uh, uh, Senator Kerry, but I saw him wearing that Red Sox hat. And then at the very same day, 
Kurt Schilling came out and endorsed the president. I thought that was a wonderful bit of irony and a great, great thing for the president. It doesn't get lost on those of us uh, in Philadelphia who, of course, remember Kurt Schilling being here. But, you know, Mr. President, I have to tell you that John Kerry, he was for the Red Sox before he was against them. Whack, whack. <laughs> you, can use that, you can use that line out on the stump. Yeah, well, I like that. Maybe I'll go with it when I go to State College today where I'm going. I'm heading up there now to see my old friend Joe Paterno. Oh, boy. Good guy. Oh, boy. Wonderful fella. Well, we're proud of you, Michael. Just keep up the good work. And you, I know you've got that huge listening audience there, but you've earned it. Whether they're for your political views or not, I believe you've earned it by your honest reporting, and I just salute you. You know, uh, uh, nothing I said to, to the rally, Mr. President, yesterday would give me more pleasure than on Wednesday turning on the CBS Evening News and hearing Dan Rather. Now, notice I'm not going anywhere else. On Wednesday, I'm going to Rather just to hear him say, George W. Bush has been reelected president of the United States. But he ought to say, I lost. My side lost, and George W. Bush has been reelected. <laughs> they have been very biased towards the, towards the uh, Kerry campaign supporting them and very biased against wow. the president. And CBS, I'm afraid I've, I've lost all objectivity when it comes to their news reporting but you know thank god for talk radio i mean the forum that, that you're reaching right now is is has leveled oh, the playing Jesus. field mr president well i agree with that i certainly do agree with that. i gotta be careful on cbs because i love jim nance who's the you know does a lot of reporting on sports you're honest TC, wonderful I'm, man i'm loving well, going through all these clips you know, it's some some yeah. are embarrassing to me, but I'm well, enjoying it's just, it. It's a snapshot in time, and I think it's an interesting way to you know. Okay, capture a moment. Jimmy Carter, George H. W. Bush, uh, working through the order of their presidencies. Only one time, only one time was Bill Clinton, President Clinton, a guest of mine. I get now. I, you know, TC, we're sitting here reminiscing. We're working without notes. So is that obvious? <laughs> take it, take it with a grain of salt. Oh like, yeah, this is it was the this is field. history as we remember. Well, there were eighty thousand people in that corner. <clears throat> so this is history as we remember it, right? No, right. wait, wait, wait! Don't play this. I got to tell oh. you something. Oh, oh, oh. okay. So this is now, <clears throat> I believe, the same cycle. It's two thousand and four, I think. And Bill Clinton is calling in to me as I am doing a remote radio broadcast in Abington, Pennsylvania. So I think this is the 04 cycle. All right. Um, what I wanted to tell you about this is that I, I had endeavored to get him on the program often. When I finally get him on, you're going to hear this, I think. He compliments me, telling me that he watches me on CNN. Okay. Now, you might think, and the audience might think, well, oh, well yeah, Michael. Eh, you're on CNN. You're on CNN. No, 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 no. In 2004, I was in my first go-round on CNN where I was doing uh, uh, work for them on an ad hoc basis. I then left and went to MSNBC. This is before I guest-hosted Hardball for Chris Matthews. Oh. That's one thing I want to tell okay. you. The second thing I want to tell you is that I have a uh, recollection of my friend, and you know, Larry Seisler, leaning on me at the time of this remote broadcast, not knowing Bill Clinton was going to be a part of it, but knowing I was doing a remote radio broadcast in abington pennsylvania oh gosh him, i know i know where this is going and now it hit you i just hit and me. larry says I used to, to have me a cell phone larry said to me yeah 
will you please work in and put on the air the local state representative? A young, young up and guy. coming, smart as a whip. Exactly. Oh, and, yes. And I'm like, Larry, I'll try and do it. I'll try. Come on. He said, Josh Shapiro is really an up and comer. Someone to watch. And state representative Josh Shapiro, now the governor of Pennsylvania, Correct. was also a, we have to find Josh in the archives. We have to. It, ha- it would be the same day as Bill Clinton if we could ever figure out right, when this right, right, right. All right, so we think this is Bill Maybe. Clinton in 04. Happy President's Day. Keep going. I, I appreciate you being here. Mr. President, my cards are on the table. We don't see eye to eye at the top of the ticket, but I, I certainly welcome you to afford you the opportunity to make your pitch. Well, thank you very much. And, and you know, I, I always think you try to be fair, and I follow you pretty closely, and I watch you on CNN, so That's I appreciate hysterical. that. But, you know, let me say I may be one of the few guys in America who likes both these men. I know them both, and I like them both personally. And they have real, honest, and deep differences. Is he talking about W and Carrie? That he he knows them and likes them both? Well, that's the cycle, right? Wait, I have one more clip. You want to hear it? Please. Okay. Uh, Mr. President, are you a possible person that John Kerry could put on the Supreme Court of the United States? Well, I guess he could, but it would be a mistake, I think. Uh, I think why do, why, some folks in Abington agree with that. I'm not sure Abington. if they agree for the same reason, but go, right, go ahead and tell me they're why. Laughing. Well, you know, first of all, I love the Constitution and I would die for it. And I, I, uh, I, when I started out as a young man right out of law school, uh, I used to teach constitutional law. And uh, when I taught in law school, I taught seven different subjects. So I, I spent years and years studying the Supreme Court. Huh. And... Uh, I, I believe in its work, but I think it would be an error to put me on there for more than one reason. I think, uh, first, I'd rather see a judge appointed who's a little younger, who can serve a little longer. Uh, you guys are much better than we are, we Democrats, in appointing young judges who will hang around for a long time. I think this is the time that we ought to do it. Man, you can just see how he's you know he's got that really folksy, everyday man-ish as he's working me, T.C., as I'm asking him if he would ever serve Completely. in the Supreme Court of the United States. OK, so that's Carter, Bush, Clinton. We got to take a break. It's President's Day. I'm, I'm enjoying this. You enjoying this? It's a walk it's down fun. memory lane. It's yeah. hysterical. And the stories that I'm telling, some of them are true about some of these interviews. Back to President's Day after this. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. 
There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. Hey, happy President's Day, everybody. I can't believe we haven't done this before. This is so much fun. I said to TC, it occurs to me that I've I've interviewed a number of American presidents, some while in office, some before office, some after office. Let's grab some tape and have some fun and play some of it and remember as best we can. We are flying blind, to borrow one of my book titles. Uh, I've told you about Carter. I've told you about Clinton. I've told you about I've told you about Papa Bush and I've told you about Clinton. I'm trying to keep everybody sequential. Then there's W. Now, I will tell you that in the 2000 campaign, uh, I always wanted to have W on the program. We're never able to get him. Do you remember this night, T.C.? This was at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Were was you there, I there that night? I'm uh, not sure I was there. I know Grace was there. I think oh, Grace, Grace was the okay. one who, Grace was running who the finagled show. this call. Okay. May I that's, set, my, that's may, my recollection. May I set the stage? Please. Okay. We're doing a radio remote. So that means that they, they've like sold the broadcast. And I don't know what day part I was then doing. You know what? I didn't start working with you until the next year. Okay. I literally wasn't even working with you then. Well, this is part of the uh, time period that you claim right. doesn't, doesn't exist. Well, it's just dark. It, it does. It's just dark and sad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, you, you, you managed somehow. So, okay, listen to this then. So I'm doing a remote. It's Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. They were on South Broad Street at the time. I remember in my presence was then Philadelphia City Councilman Rick Mariano, who a few years later would go away for a while, okay? Um, and I and Ricky is was such a uh, uh, a ribald personality. Even though we were on terrestrial radio, I worried when this call came in a total surprise. I worried that Ricky might say something inappropriate to you know the future president if he were to win the election. The other thing I remember is I thought maybe it was going to be Baba Booey because we'd worked so hard to get W on my program and it never happened it's now election night it's like election night at like nine o'clock no 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 pardon me seven o'clock at night there was like an hour left in the voting in pennsylvania why is george bush calling me now right but indeed what i was later told is they were scrambling they were worried about pennsylvania they realized I was then live on the air and like, hey, let's drop in a live call and see if we can encourage people to come out to vote in truly the 11th hour. George W. Bush, bring hey, him Michael. on. Hello, Governor. Michael, how are you? I'm terrific. How are you doing? Good. I'm in Austin, Texas. TC, TC, hey, can you stop? Okay. Like, there's you might not know this. I know my voice. There's a little trepidation in my voice, like, Governor Jordan, Governor. And then when I hear him and he says, you know, I'm in Austin, I'm like, oh, you know what? It really is him. We wish you Godspeed tonight. Thank you, buddy. It's going to count up. A lot of it's going to come down to the great state of Pennsylvania. That's why I'm calling, Michael. Well, I'll tell you something. You've made some some great uh, uh, headway out in the suburbs where Bill Clinton could not pull off his, uh, where Bill Clinton had great success and the Republicans could not pull off a victory. And I think you're going to make up all that ground that we couldn't make up in the last two cycles. Well, I appreciate that, Michael, and I appreciate your friendship, and I'm urging our voters to make sure they vote here. Uh, This is a close race. Pennsylvania could decide who the next president is. I also remember uh, I also remember that night as the polls coming in being absolutely convinced that that he wasn't going to win and of course and of course he did. 
have to say those those remote broadcasts were fun. Uh, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. I would be eating, you know, the 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 great shrimp scampi uh, meal or appetizer that they had, having a draft beer and hosting a radio show at the same time, and talking politics. I mean, what more could you want? Okay, still to come, still to come. Obama, uh, Biden, and and a story about Trump. Obama, Biden, and a story about Trump. We're celebrating President's Day. This is the Smirconish Podcast from SiriusXM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Hey gang, welcome back. It is President's Day and we are celebrating President's Day by me going through my presidential archives, which sounds kind of funny, but it happens to be true. TC, I have a whole file in my computer that says Obama interviews. Same. So so by (laughs) my count, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them, seven of them. You might know that better because I have it all cut up. So okay. I have all these crazy clips. It's all right. a little nuts. Well, here's what I remember. I remember that in August of 2009, I conducted the first live radio interview. You were there with President Obama from the White House, meaning first time he'd ever been interviewed live on the radio from the White House. What a privilege for me. Robert Gibbs was the press secretary. He's the one who put it all together. I remember a couple of things about this. Don't don't rush me. I want to I want to tell this story. Help me tell it. We we were in the in the White House um, surrounded by murals. This is the diplomatic reception room surrounded Stunning. by murals commissioned by Jacqueline Kennedy yep. during her tenure as first lady. You see this room often on TV. Um, doesn't get, you know, the the fame and glory as the White House, but it's a pretty important room. And I remember little things. I remember little things. Like, I remember this, the door that goes to the South Lawn from the room where I conducted this interview was the door that Bo would be walked out of. Do you remember we the, can all picture the that dog now. bowl? Yes, of course. And the leashes yes. were there? Yep. 
Uh, do you remember that there was also a problem with Wi-Fi? They didn't have Internet service on the ground floor of the White House. I remember uh, three or four floral arrangements being brought to and from because one would be too high. Would it cover the president's chin? And then, like, does it need to be lower or wider or like all kinds of things to make sure that it worked because you were being simulcast on television as well. Right. And it was therefore- carried. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, it was no. carried so it was- live oh, no, it has for to look- 30 minutes. Right. And and, and on it- CNN, MSNBC and Fox. And they also had to cover up You're your right. the Apple logo. You had your my laptop, laptop open in front of you. That's Why did right. they have to cover I that don't up? Know. They and put like all- a White House logo on it. It's absolutely true. Okay, here's something else I remember. I remembered that when he came in and sat down ahead of time, I remember two oh, things. One, we did not think I, of that. I could tell that he had just smoked a cig. Oh boy, totally had just smoked a cig. Oh yeah. And this was before the con- the country knew. That he was trying to kick smoking. He would smoke at the White House. He had like a secret place. In the backyard. And I also remember that he arrived early. I used to tell this as part of my, my standard speech. And that he arrived while we were on a commercial break. And I had to make stupid talk with the president. Right. And my stupid talk was to tell him we had just seen National Treasure 2 with our kids and uh, in National Treasure 2, the book, president gets the Book of Secrets and he gets the Resolute Desk. And in the Book of Secrets, he learns, you know, did we go to uh, the moon? Uh, who killed JFK and what's in Area 51? <laughs> so I'm telling this too quickly and, and, and without uh, a lot of the detail. But suffice it to say, the president's kids were younger. Mine were younger. You were two dads. And I said to him, Mr. President, I said, uh, uh, we just saw the movie, blah, blah, blah. I said, uh, my my boys are going to want to know, or my children are going to want to know what's in the book of secrets. And without missing a beat, he said to me, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. And there were just a few members of the press in the room and everybody started to laugh. That moment did not make it to the radio because we hadn't come back right. from a commercial break. When we came back from commercial break, this is the way that it sounded. Live at the White House, and I'm joined by the President of the United States. Mr. President, what an honor for me, and thank you, sir, for this privilege, and thank you for coming back to my radio program. Michael, it's great to be on the show again. Every time we've uh, been on, it's been a great time, so I appreciate uh, the opportunity. Folks are stacked up, as you might imagine. They're they're anxious to pose some questions about health care to the President of the United States. More than 5,000 email suggestions have have flowed through my website in just the last 24 hours alone. Uh, If it's all right, I'll start by posing a couple of questions and uh, some of the things that I continue to hear from folks, and, and we'll welcome phone callers as well. Allow me, sir, to begin with this. Did Secretary Sebelius misspeak last weekend? You know, a great deal has been made as to what she said pertaining to the so-called public option. Yeah, she really didn't misspeak. The The surprising thing I mean, is the, you know, TC, the, what was amazing is that we he took live callers. He took live callers from from our phone uh, from Incredible. our program. Incredible, and just whatever what they wanted to ask, and it was a whole range of things, and it was amazing. The issues were totally different then. I mean, the Affordable Care Act, of course, was already big. Cash for clunkers was big. Oh my and, gosh! And as I did in every one of my interviews with either Senator. Obama or President Obama, I questioned him about the hunt for bin Laden because, again, this is 2009. This is several years before we take out bin Laden, before he gives the order and takes out bin Laden. I know we've had a major victory recently with the number one individual for the Taliban in those tribal regions, but pertaining to bin Laden and Ayman al-Zawahiri, right. where is it? Well, here's where we're at. Uh, we are continuing to ramp up the pressure in Afghanistan. And uh, you know, we had a 
what appears to be a successful election in Afghanistan despite the Taliban's efforts to disrupt it. Uh, you've got General McChrystal now over there and more troops who are putting pressure on uh, the eastern and southern portions of Afghanistan. On the other hand, you've got the Pakistani army for the first time actually fighting in a very aggressive way. And that's how we took out uh, Batula Massoud, right. uh, the top Taliban uh, leader in Pakistan, who was also one of bin Laden's key allies. So the goal here is essentially to have a pincher uh, where we are squeezing them on both sides, we're eliminating their allies, it's making it more difficult for them to communicate, making it more difficult for them to operate safe havens, and over time what we hope to do is to flush them out. We are going to keep on putting pressure on them, and I know that it, it's uh, at great cost. I mean, you know, uh, I have to sign letters uh, to family members uh, who have fallen, and a lot more are falling in Afghanistan than in Iraq. Uh, it, and as a consequence, we've got to make sure that we are really focused uh, on uh, finishing the job in Afghanistan, but it's going to take some time. So that that is yours truly in the White House with President Obama August after he's been sworn in, meaning August of 2009. I come back to the White House in 2012 about it's I think it's the 25th of, of, of October, TC, because I know that I missed my mother's birthday that year. It was either the day before or the day of. And it's right before Superstorm Sandy hits, if I can just jog everybody's memory. So this is now Obama versus Romney, right at their neck and neck. It's right before the storm. It's right before he goes. It's right before the quote unquote hug that may not have been a hug with Chris Christie. And the hot issue on Republicans' minds is Benghazi, Benghazi, Benghazi. I'm conducting this interview seated in the chair normally where visiting prime ministers sit. And I'm opposite the president and my colleague, a wonderful guy, sound engineer, Dave Scalish, is holding a boom mic. And he has to hold the boom mic for the whole 30-minute interview. And Pete Souza, TC, the White House photographer, is taking pictures of the interview. I mean, I treasure the pictures. Right in the studio. Right right over there. there. Right over there. With the boom mic in the picture. Do you have Benghazi queued up? Yes. Nice. Before the attack which killed Ambassador Stevens, were you personally aware of any request to increase security? You know, uh, I was not personally aware of of, uh, any request. Obviously, we have an infrastructure that's set up to uh, manage requests like that. But we're going to find out exactly what uh, happens. Ultimately, though, uh, any time there is a a death of an American overseas, uh, I want to find out what happened because my most important job as president is keeping the American people safe, and we will get to the bottom of what happened, and we're going to make sure, most importantly, that those who carried it out, uh, that they are captured. Yeah. And there was more that I I questioned him on that issue. And it was the hot issue of the day. All right. You're looking at me. I know I'm getting long winded. Uh, Still have to deal with Biden and Trump, Biden and Trump. And I will do that on this President's Day right after this. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. 
Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. Hey, gang, welcome back to our President's Day special. TC, this is fun so far. We, we've, we've talked about and played sound of my presidential interactions, starting with Jimmy Carter. For sure. And we've worked through in the order in which they were presidents. Right. right? Exactly. Okay. So time now for Donald Trump, because we've just briefly discussed Obama. Although I have to tell you something. You're, you're giving me reason to think I ought to do a whole show, maybe on a future President's Day, God willing, of just the Obama interviews and really play them yes. and really play them. Yes. Now we're up to Trump. I never interviewed President Trump. I wanted to. I tried. tried. I tried during right. the course of the campaign. I had an Oval Office meeting with him, uh, which was uh, toward the end of his term. I mean, I was always making the case, even though I know a number of you would say, well, why would you have President Trump? Of course, I would have a president of the United States. Certainly. And the interesting thing is, I know he was, especially during the campaign, he was paying very close attention to things that were being said on my program on CNN. Because, TC, you will remember, there were any number of instances where on the campaign trail in 2016, he would make specific reference to things he had heard or seen that came out of my program and my program only. And we knew he'd gotten them from my program because they were unique elements, but he never would name check me. And then finally out on the campaign trail, that changed. In Waterbury, Connecticut. Is that where it was? Yes, in Waterbury, Connecticut at a rally. Uh, Here we go. April 24th. 2016. And I watched on television today, and there were two young guys on CNN, on Smirconish, actually. And they were, who doesn't necessarily treat me good, but I'll give him a little free publicity because these two, these two guys, were, they were delegates, right? It doesn't so even matter what he said after that. That's how he, how he name-checked me. And I'll tell you what else I remember. I remember, you know, I told the story of, of being with my friend David Urban in his box at the Army-Navy game this past Army-Navy game and he had entertained Trump. David ran the Trump campaign in Pennsylvania. David had entertained Trump in that box during the course of the campaign and after he was elected. Uh, If my memory is accurate, it was in 2016 after Trump had been elected, but before he'd been sworn in. 
And Sean Spicer had been a guest of mine on CNN that very day. Sean Spicer, who was about to be named press secretary. And in David Urban's presence, Trump says to Spicer at the Army-Navy game, something like, way to go, you kick Smirconish's ass today on CNN. Unbelievable. And we talked about it. And, and yeah, we, and we joked about it. Um, but that's it. That's all I have to say about uh, about Trump. Right. Maybe in the future uh, there will be, be more. Continued. To be continued. To be continued. Thank you, TC. Okay. Okay. Two Obama, pardon me, two Biden interviews. One, am I right that it was 2008? I want to say that, uh, though, maybe 2012. No, no, it, it was when, because because he was elected as vice president in 08. Here's my recollection. As I said at the outset, I'm going to tell some stories and some of them will be true. <laughs> okay, we've given ourselves a latitude here. My recollection is that he wrote a memoir called Promises to Keep. Yes, as published in the run-up to his 20, 2008 presidential campaign. There you go. So this is when he himself was going to run or, or was already running. I forget which. It's sort of the precursor. I mean, here comes Mike Pompeo with a book, right, because he's running for president. They all do it before they formally get in. And I read the book and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Because this was Scranton Joe telling a lot of uh, a lot of stories, you know, get up, get up, get up is what his father would often say to him. So it was a phoner. uh, It was engaging. And here's a taste. I I guess I knew tangentially some of the adversity that you'd overcome, but you've taken your lumps. Well, a lot of people have. I have. Yeah, that's true. I have. But uh, you know, you know, like like I said in the book, uh, you know, my dad's uh, comment was, you know, he used to always say, "Hey, pal, world doesn't know you're living." You know, uh, get up. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and look, think of like all kidding aside, think of all the people who don't have the help and the background help, meaning family and the and the and the opportunities that that I had, who go through the same kinds of things, man. Yeah. Every day. Hey, uh, I I did not know. My my folks are from Hazleton. Oh, you're kidding? No, I never knew that Joe Biden was a, a product of Scranton, Pennsylvania. Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yeah, and I tell you what, it never leaves your blood, does it? There's a there's an anecdote in the book. I hope you'll you'll uh, you'll share it that has to do with some advice that you're given from your grandpa and oh. the, the Scrantons. Will you will you will you tell indulge me with that quick story? Sure. Well, you know, everybody used to come back to my grandpa's house. I, we lived there for a while because Dad was looking for work after the war, and uh, um, and we'd come back to Grandpa's house uh, after a ten thirty mass at St. Paul's, and all the men would sit around the kitchen table, the women would sit around the dining room table. They'd be at the lace tablecloth drinking tea, and the men would be arguing politics and sports. And one day, one of my dad, one of my grandpa, who was a, a, a man of, as they might say today, a man of rectitude, there was a story about a. a, a a local county chairman who was always getting in trouble and, and was in the front page of the paper and they were arguing about him and I knew my grandpa liked him and he turned around and looked at me and my grandpa said you're wondering why I like Pat so much aren't you Joey and I said I was about 14 years old I said no 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 pop he said well let me tell you the difference he said you like Mr. Scranton don't you and I said yeah and then he went on to tell me a story he said Packy will tell you he's going to do such and such to you he, I'm going to cut your heart out Ambrose I remember him saying and he'll and you know what he's going to do do it. I'll help you, right. and you'll know 
what he's going to do. And he said, now, Mr. Scranton, he said, I could call him today, go down there. And he'll say, come down, Ambrose. I work for the Tribune. Come on down. And he'd go down, and he'd say, and I'm shortening the story, and he said that uh, he, uh, he said he'd pat me on the back, and he said, what can I do for you, Ambrose? And uh, I'd tell him my problem, and then my grandpa really smacked me on the back. And uh, I thought he was mad at me. And uh, and he said, uh, he said, well, I'll see what I can do, Ambrose. And he said, it wouldn't be until I got to the second landing outside his front door that I felt that warm trickle of blood down my spine. <laughs> and then he said, you know what they said? Joey said, the landed gentry will do to you, never do to you at the country club what they'll do to you on the street. And I looked at him, and he said, Joey, they think politics is for the Jews and the Poles and the Irish and the Italians, not for them. So anything goes. And uh, he said, so that's what my grandfather's notion about. You just you, you keep your promises. You know, you count on people who who, uh, who do what they say and say what they do. It's sort of the foundational principle of uh, not only politics, but I think of life, that, I, uh, you know, you keep your promises. So that was me... August of 2007, we just figured that out. That's me with then-senator, soon-to-be presidential candidate, soon-to-be vice-presidential running mate, then-vice president Joe Biden. The other interview that I did with the now-president was when he was vice-president. This was 2016, TC. This was, you were with me. We were in St. Louis. I was with you. Were you in, was I doing a speaking engagement I think you did a speaking engagement uh, either that morning or the night before. We have no idea. My recollection is that we had spent, we had been there, the travel squad had been there one night where you're supposed to then get up, interview Biden, and then head out of Dodge so you could do CNN. This the was following a Friday. Morning. Yeah. His flight, right. there was weather issues. His flight was delayed. Yep. And so we kept delaying, delaying, delaying. We then, it was very clear we were going to miss make our flight. Plane. Right. And then, but it was worth it for you to stay to do the interview. Had so to, had to stay, had to spend another night, had to find a place to, for you to do CNN, I think without teleprompters, like right. in the middle of a, right. of a, Big warehouse is my recollection. And, wear on the, a and, stool. and wearing the same clothes. Correct. And wearing the same clothes. Yeah. You're right. I mean, the decision the decision that had to be made was one of, okay, he's late. Do you fly home and do the CNN program from your native environment or, without even a toothbrush, stay and now do the, the interview and uh, with Biden and, right. then, and then do a remote And run. that's what you did. Correct. Right. So what do I remember from this? I remember from this that we were backstage uh, in a small theater where Jason Kander, was that his name? The guy who could put together yes. like an assault yes. rifle in no time. Biden was then was doing a campaign event for him. We wanted to I wanted to do the interview before the rally, but the timing didn't work out because all these people were also waiting in the theater so we were backstage and upstairs. Do you remember, TC, in kind of a green room stacked high with furniture? Like the place was a mess. A mess. And there were drapes. Like they had put drapes to try to make the right, background, right? right. Like, like those um, although, heavy velvet. Yeah, although they did a hell of a job on the lighting. It looked great. Like CNN sent in a crew and they did it right. They did it and right. And they did it right. Okay. The other thing is that this was right when, you know, Anthony Weiner was very much in the news. Yes. Again, this is 2016. This is Anthony Weiner again in the news. Why was he in the news? Uh, he it was, was not the laptop because that was the 2012 campaign. Why was Weiner back in the oh, news there in was 2016? Some, because something had been found on his computer that related to Huma Abedin. Is that what it was? I think so. Well, all I know is that I brought up 
Anthony Weiner to the now vice president of the United States. And my here's we're, that. We're, let's, we're, let's hear how that went. We're all going to listen together. But I, I remember him saying, ah, geez, that guy, you know, that guy, something, <laughs> something, something like that. Like, and it made news yeah. and it made news. Yours truly with the now president of the United States. You're the former chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee. You're an attorney, Syracuse Law School, smart guy. The language of this perplexes me. He says the FBI cannot yet assess whether or not this material may be significant, and I cannot predict how long it will take us to complete this additional work. Did he just put his thumb on the scale? Dianne Feinstein is saying he played right into Donald Trump's hands. Well, I'm not going to comment. Look, uh, that's the same language he used before. But then why uh, write the letter? Well, because I, I don't know why. I can't read his mind. But, um, look, I found him to be a straight guy. He's been uh, he's a tough guy. He's a Republican, but he's always been straight. And uh, and I'm confident that, uh, that uh, you know, this will this will turn out fine. What worries me, Mr. Vice President, is that folks are going to go to the polls or have already gone to the polls and they don't know what to make of this. They're in the dark. What well, should happen I, now? I think it's unfortunate. I think Hillary, if she said what I'm told she said, is correct. They should release the emails for the whole world to see. The whole world to see. They, they can continue their investigation. It won't, to the best of my knowledge, it won't prejudice the investigation. And, but that's, that's sort of the, the stilted language the agency always uses. And uh, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, and so it's, it's unfortunate. I'd be remiss if I didn't note that if she had released all the emails from the get-go, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Well, that's true, um, but I, I don't know where this email, where these emails came from. What apparently I, Anthony Weiner. Well, oh God, oh. Anthony Weiner. Um, I should not comment on Anthony Weiner. I'm not a big fan, and I wasn't before he got in trouble, so I shouldn't comment on Anthony Weiner. One more question on this. Is this the kind of story that makes Joe Biden say, damn it, I should have run? Michael, the only reason I didn't run had nothing to do with it. I thought I could beat Hillary. I thought I could beat anybody that ran. No one should run for president unless they think they can do that. I didn't run for one simple overarching reason. My son was dying and he died. That's the total reason. I mean, I have great respect for Hillary. I have great respect for uh, um, other people who've run. But you don't make a decision based on the other person. I, I thought that at the time, uh, I was, uh, this, the issues where the country's facing were right in my wheelhouse. I didn't run, not run because Hillary was running. I didn't run because my son's not here, period. Wow, TC. On, on that note, we end the President's Day special. I thought it That's was That's a poignant. rather, rather somber uh, uh, reflection. I'm going with poignant. Yeah. Interesting, wow. right? I thought the whole thing was interesting. I must say, I, I hope that the audience has enjoyed this walk down memory lane of my interactions with American presidents like a, a half as much as I have, because it's been really interesting just for me to reflect. And more memories have come to mind as I've been listening. I could do a whole other hour now and just tell you even more stories, but perhaps we'll have to do it again. Perhaps we'll have to do it again. Thank you, TC. Thank you, Dan. That was really interesting. Uh, yeah, and that is how we mark President's Day, at least as of now. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds.
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.